0: My name is Jeremy Devins and this is the Quiet Mind Yoga Podcast episode 105, a yin yoga and singing bowls practice for the back and the hips to embody expansion and contraction. So if you're new to this podcast and a lot of people find new podcasts around January, happy new year, welcome, I'm grateful you're here. My name is Jeremy. I've been teaching yoga in Austin, Texas since 2011 and working in health and wellness since 2003. This is my life's work. I love getting to do this. I'm super grateful for all my teachers and all the experiences that I've had to have so much to give back. And that's why I created this podcast, to give back so that anybody anywhere in the world, anytime can just press play and have a practice. So you don't even need to look at your screen. And I teach in a way that's very clear and easy to follow. And I've actually had blind students in the past. So that taught me how to teach well to people who can't see and have the visual feedback of what they're doing. So that's why I created this podcast. So you don't even need to look at a screen. You can just press play and put your phone away and follow along. And every week I offer a new class in gentle, hatha, vinyasa, yin, restorative yoga, meditation. And usually I cycle through gentle hatha and vinyasa. If you look back through the previous episodes, you'll see that. And I like to sort of have that progression so you can have a a simpler, gentler practice like gentle yoga that is often less challenging, less vigorous, more uh, simple postures that are accessible, like those classes that you're hearing I'm often teaching seniors and people with injuries, limitations, and giving lots of options because there's also people who are very experienced and very able-bodied so they don't need to modify or they maybe don't want to or maybe they do want to, right? And that's what's important I think about yoga is that it's always meeting you where you're at. So there's no better way to do yoga just because you're more flexible or stronger some days or compared to some people it does not mean your practice is any way better to me it's a practice of being embodied and being present and meeting your mind body and breath moment to moment so that that's has nothing to do with how flexible you are how strong you are but if you want to challenge yourself or you want to go into your end range or want to explore those things you can always do that and if you want to have a practice where you tone it down you can do that and then hatha yoga h-a-t-h-a hatha or hatha is the traditional pronunciation this is a practice that is often misunderstood Uh, there's a misunderstanding that hatha means sun and moon but it actually means force so traditionally you would it'd be a very strong active practice where you would do very strong active postures and hold them and uh, do things such as like there's people practicing this form of hatha yoga now in India where they never lay down, right? They sleep standing up. They're always standing up. Or they always have one arm overhead. And you can look this up like uh, yogi, one arm overhead. And you'll see this guy who's clearly never lowered his arm. It's become emaciated. His nails have grown out, right? And this is really what hatha yoga is. It's uh, making a sort of sacrifice of your will and your uh, sort of vanity, to push yourself to beyond what you think is like humanly possible and if you if you look at documentaries of these yogis that talk about how uh, what they want to be is like a sort of symbol and uh, inspiration to others to say like if this guy can do that if he can keep his arm up for decades like how who am i to say like i can't uh you know sacrifice my time to help this person or Uh, give of myself to to this work that i'm invested in or my time to help others or you know these little things of just like being there for others and being engaged in our lives and taking risks and and seeing opportunities and taking chances in our lives and connecting to something greater than ourselves and letting that drive us so it's not just this selfish pursuit of how can i look good or how can i impress people Uh, you know there is there is some of that there can be an ego in the spiritual practices of course right there has to be some sort of healthy ego to say i'm going to be the person who puts his arm up for decades and doesn't put it down and identify with that right so that's a a version of ego and we can have that in our yoga practice where i'm going to be the person who practices x amount of days and and then eats a certain way and you know all these things that we can uh, identify with And that's not a bad thing. That's it's healthy to have a sense of ego. I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we have egos. And if we didn't, we would just be uh, amorphous blobs or something else or in some other plane of existence. But we're here as humans, having this human experience. uh, And the yoga practice, particularly hatha yoga, challenges us to explore, you know, our engagement, our ability to be active when we need to, our ability to be resting when we need to. Our ability to hold postures longer than we might feel comfortable with, and then that range expands over time. And then vinyasa yoga is the furthest extent of that, where we're always extending our range from being very active and very physical to moments of rest and complete stillness. And this is amazing at regulating the nervous system, which functions similarly, where we have the sympathetic nervous system, the active and at an extreme fight or flight mode of engagement but even just listening to this you're in some level of sympathetic nervous system engagement it's necessary to be functioning and uh, active and engaged but then there's the parasympathetic nervous system the rest and digest and relax mode which is essentially the opposite and we get into that in like child's pose and shavasana and meditative practices and vinyasa is uh, I consider it like a, a bigger wave form, right? So there's like bigger peaks and bigger valleys. And that's how I approach yoga. So there's three main forms of gentle hatha vinyasa. And then there's yin yoga, which is way down more towards the parasympathetic mode, where you're really uh, staying low to the ground, holding postures longer. At least this is my interpretation of these styles of yoga, and everybody has their own. But this is where I've landed, and then there's restorative yoga, which is even lower and slower down from there, where this all is in restoratives to help down-regulate your system. So if you're somebody who has a hard time stopping and slowing down, that's where the yin and restorative and meditation and singing bowl classes can be really helpful. And that's what we have today. And it turns out these are my most popular classes, so I'm going to be doing more of these of yin yoga classes restorative singing bowls and i'm just looking at people's feedback and the numbers i see of who listens to what and how much i have some basic metrics that i can see just to know like what's popular what are people really enjoying and it seems like the yin yoga classes are clearly the most popular so i want to do more of those and you'll see more of those over the months and weeks ahead and basically this podcast is all free i have some ads sometimes some ad support uh and that helps sustain the podcast and then i offer courses and trainings throughout the year right now i'm offering mindful new year so this is basically taking everything i just talked about and then how do you apply that like when is it best to do vinyasa yoga and what kind of practices and meditations and breathing practices and are there certain times of year that are best for certain activities? And there's certain major changes happening astrologically. And traditionally, yoga was taught completely encompassing all of these things. Yoga, Ayurveda, Vedic astrology, all personalized to you based on your time of birth, your dosha, your temperament. Right. So there's three types of people uh, based on the elements in Ayurveda. And this stuff is the most powerful, helpful basically resources mindsets perspectives and tools that i've found for working with health and wellness and after going many many years through the western approach of supplements and all of that which is all very helpful and has its place and i do take some supplements and i do work out and i do follow a lot of western health uh, practices that are helpful but nothing comes even close to ayurveda and it stood the test of time for three thousand plus years and vedic astrology as well and yoga and i think in the next 10 years or so uh ayurveda and vedic astrology will not sound so foreign in niche but uh just like yoga you know 10 plus years ago nobody was practicing yoga it was kind of weird and 20 plus years ago it was really weird but now it's like one in three americans have practiced yoga and if you're listening to this for the first time uh I've actually had many people who've never practice yoga and they, they do their first class here and I really appreciate that and uh, you can follow me on YouTube as well if you want to see more visuals if that helps when you're a total beginner that can help um, but this will pr- this practice and this podcast will help you get more into that internal state which I think is so important right so you can find a lot of distractions and noise and music and loud teachers with yelling at you uh i don't think that's very conducive to helping you listen to your inner voice your inner wisdom and your intuition all these practices that i teach are aimed at helping you do that and again the mindful new year course you can learn about at mindfulnewyear.com it's a whole year program with a calendar practices for each season ways to figure out what your dosha your type is and so much more it's a really cool program it's like a 52-plus page PDF and 30-plus page calendar. So mindfulnewyear.com, you can check that out. I also do an online teacher training, which is coming up in March. So you'll hear about that over the weeks ahead. And if there's anything and you want to see on the podcast, send me a message at jeremy at quietmind.yoga is my email address. jeremy at quietmind.yoga. And I'd be happy to help uh, provide you know whatever you're looking for. If there's certain... Poses you have trouble with, or uh, practices that you want to see, I will create that. So just let me know. All right. So that was a long intro for total newbies and beginners who are new to this podcast. Welcome. Uh, for you, for all of you who have been around for a while, I'm really grateful for you. I love hearing your messages. It means a lot to me and helps me know uh, that this is helping people. It's just my intention. Today's practice is Yin Yoga. So uh, you'll want some props if you have them, but if you don't, you can use like some books or uh, for the blocks and you can use some pillows for the bolsters and you can use just any old throw blanket for a blanket. Uh, But otherwise, if you have a bolster, a blanket, wall space, and two blocks, that will help you with some of the poses. And we're focusing on two of the most common issues that I see with people more than anything else is uh, back pain and hip tension. So we'll address that. And energetically, focusing on expansion and contraction in the practice. And this is the heart of everything I teach, that there is expansion and there is contraction. Our hearts beat in a pulse like this. Our lungs expand and contract like this. Our eyes dilate like this, right? So everything is expansion and contraction. The seasons, the sunrise, the sunset, tides go in, tides go out, right? So if we connect to that energy... And we know when it's time to do one or the other and for example we're not trying to push ourselves and expand when we really need some time to rest and contract right so we're listening to our bodies listening to this intuitive sort of sense of which is more relevant and needed now so that's the key of everything i teach and i share about that actually on my yoga teacher training podcast right so I've also got another podcast called Yoga Teacher Training and then another one called uh, Quiet Mind Astrology. So you can find all of that on my website quietmind.yoga. You can see it all right there. But again, thanks for listening and I hope this was helpful if you're new to this. And if you have any more questions, email me or follow me on social media, jeremy.quietmind on social media. And uh, thanks for being here. Enjoy your practice and uh, leave a review if you enjoy it. Leave an honest review. That really helps new people find the podcast. All right. Have a great rest of your practice. And we'll start with a child's pose with knees apart, hips to heels, and forehead towards the ground. And we'll use this. To start with, and just focus on the breathing. So once you're in the pose, it's usually not the most high sensation pose, but if it is, you can always put a bolster underneath the torso for a little support. It's a good place to just start focusing on the breath, taking slightly slower, slightly deeper breaths down to your lower belly. So this time of year in my classes, I like to teach on the, the concept of expansion and contraction. So in yoga, we're always working with opposites and opposite energies. And a lot of yoga comes from hatha yoga. Hatha literally means sun, moon. So that we're working with opposite qualities. of, And, that, and usually it's active postures and passive postures. But in tonight's practice, we're emphasizing more of the passive postures because yin is all about being in passive posture. So we won't do any active postures. So to find that work of expansion and contraction, we'll first focus on the breath, feeling the expansion of the inhales, the contractions of the exhales. All right, for me, at least this time of year, I tend to get very excited and I love you know, setting intentions and planning the new year and focusing on the expansion but there's always going to be a contraction, right? We can't just have inhales. We can't just have expansions. We have to have exhales. We have to have moments where we feel down or low energy or sad or even angry. Right? It's all just natural, just passing through us emotions. And in our practice tonight, we'll embody that in different postures postures that are expansive, and postures like this that are more contracted. And most people have an easier time with one or the other. Maybe for you, it's easier to inhale, easier to take things in. Maybe for you, it's easier to exhale, easier to let things go, or somewhere in the middle. so that can be an exploration of finding yourself in both qualities, finding a sense of center in both qualities. creating a state of union or yoga, being able to be fully aligned and centered in all situations. So move from this sort of contracted posture to come up to the hands and knees. And you can have a blanket under your knees if you want, a little more padding there. It's always good to pad the knees in general. And then you can have your arms come forward and let the forehead lower down to the floor in Anahatasana or the Heart Chakra Pose. Hips stay over the knees and the chest sinks down towards the floor, creating a back bend in the spine or a spinal extension. Opposite of the spinal flexion we just had in the last pose. So you should feel a little arch in your low back, a little curve in the spine. And we'll hold and breathe here embodying this more expansive quality through the chest and shoulders. And start to come back to the hands and knees. Always slow when the transitions, no rush. So we'll move into, again, a more contracted posture. So kind of going back and forth between these, these qualities. So to do that, we'll come to hands and knees and round your back so shoulder blades move apart. And have your toes be tucked so your heels are up a little higher. And it will start to move towards a rabbit pose. So that means the hands come in towards the knees. And if you feel like, you know, you want to be about 40 to 60 to 80% of your edge, that might be it. You might stay there and open the upper back. That's good. As you progress, you may move your head towards the ground and maybe the head towards the knees and even the hands to hold on to the heels with straight arms. So not too, not active here, but just holding on enough to open the upper back area. And we won't stay here quite as long because this can be a kind of intense pose at times. But feeling for some opening in the upper back area between the shoulder blades, but also that rounding and contractive quality of being in the, in the spinal flexion. Start to come back to the hands and knees. So now, going a little deeper into opening the chest and shoulders, you'll come down to your stomach and have the left arm straight out to the left, in line with the shoulder, and then roll onto your left side. Let your right foot land on the floor. And if your head feels un- if your neck feels uncomfortable here, put a block underneath your head for support. Or if it just feels a little bit awkward, again, we're gonna stay here for a little while. So you want to feel like supported, able to stay. And then last thing, you could wrap your right arm around the back, palm faces away, and we'll hold and breathe here. Just notice how that feels to embody this more expansive quality after that contracted pose. Sometimes, like to me, it can feel really relieving and lighter to be opening up again after that. Just a few more breaths, and you may notice the mind can become a little restless or distracted at times when we're holding long poses, and that's okay. But if you can just be aware, just notice, oh, I'm thinking, or, oh, my mind is very active. Just that thought of awareness, that moment of awareness is meditation, it is mindfulness, it is yoga, right? We can't actually control our thoughts, we can only control how we respond to the thoughts. and Maybe with practice, choosing to more repetitively think thoughts we want to be thinking, there's still a level of just witnessing and knowing that there will be thoughts that you don't want to have, or thoughts that you can't control, and that's okay. So to, to balance that out, you can just focus on sensation in the body, feeling, noticing subtleties of sensation in your body, noticing the qualities of the postures, Notice the points of contact to the floor. And of course, noticing the sounds and letting that sort of wash over the body is a way to bring the mind into the present moment. And slowly start to transition back down to the stomach. And we'll go over to the other side. So your right arm extends straight out to the right. Rolling onto the side. Let your left foot land to the floor to help you stabilize. Now we'll hold and breathe here couple minutes Begin to come back to the center and slowly Yeah, it's no rush, especially when we're working with these deep connective tissues and you'll make your way back to the hands and knees. Now to thread the left arm underneath, left shoulder down into a twist. Now we just open the chest and shoulders while contracting the back. So now we're doing the opposite. So we're opening the upper back, a little contraction in the chest and shoulders. Now your uh, right leg could straighten out behind you to press into the right ball of the foot. Sometimes that can feel nice and give you different angles to work with and your right arm can be extended forward or near your head or wrapping around your back. And the general main focus for this is to open the space between the shoulders and breathe into that space in the upper back. And we'll hold here, it's a little bit shorter again. We're working with flexion. We don't wanna to spend too much time there. We spend, usually typically spend a lot of time there throughout the day but still some opening space between the shoulders, embodying this more contracted, contained, centered quality again. When we're developing in the womb, the primary curve of the spine, is the first curve to develop in the nervous system in the spinal column. So in the time we're in the forward fold, we're creating that primary curve in the spine again. So there's a way they can feel calming and centering. We're returning back to our foundation, our center. Now slowly start to transition over to the other side. Same thing. start to come out, back to hands and knees, and then to sitting. So for this one, you may want your bolster towards the back of your mat, and we'll see. So just have that there if you wanna use it when we go to this, and you'll have your uh, knees bent, feet on the floor, it's like you're starting out in a sort of crab-shaped position. let your knees fall over to your left and your your right foot is going to end up in sort of the arch of the left foot so your right knee your right knee ends up in the arch of the left foot and this is a deer pose so you can start to turn your hands to your left turning towards the back of your mat right and here you may come down to the elbows or stacking the hands to rest the head or you could use your bolster underneath the upper body to kind of rest, kind of rest on that. So kind of shifting our focus now a little more into the lower side, the right side, the back, the QL. Sometimes this area can be sensitive, so you don't need to push it at all. If you just feel like it's a good stretch, stay there. But if there is any sensitivity in the low back, use the props, be supported, and don't push through any sort of pain or sensitivities. We'll hold a couple minutes here on each side. Now slowly start to transition over to the other side. Let's take your time. It's gentle, slow movements. We'll start to transition from here slowly back up to sitting. So move the bolster to the side. So from that twisting shape, so that's the sort of contracted shape on the sides. So we'll go into an expansive shape on the sides in what's called banana pose. So you lay on your back, and you'll have your arms overhead. Well, actually, first, you'll probably want to bend your knees and move your hips over to the left so left side of the mat, and your legs down towards the right side of the mat, crossing the legs, crossing the ankles. And then the same thing, upper body, so shoulders towards the right side of the mat. And you can grab the left wrist, creating a sort of side bend here on the floor. It's a little bit of an awkward pose, but once you get it, you should feel a little bit of opening on the left side of the body. Start. So hips are to the left, and then feet are to the right, and upper body, or, sorry, your arms are to the right. A little bit of the shoulders to the right as well. So if you feel feel it, it looks good, yeah. And you can play with which ankle is crossed on top. That makes a big difference, right? So usually the... Um, One of those will feel more natural for you.
1: there on
0: slowly start to release this side and set up for the other side and again bending the knees usually helps a lot to kind of get into position you can shift your hips to the right and legs out to the left shoulders and arms to the left and this side might be different see which ankle you want to cross on top what feels most natural for you setting us up creates an expansive quality through the right side of the body. slowly start to come back to the center. And from here, we'll come into a supine pigeon. So have your right ankle over the left thigh. And you might stay right here with your left foot on the floor, just gently pressing the right thigh slightly forward. Or if you feel okay here you can put your left foot on a block. All right, so again, yin, less active, more passive. So if you want to use your arms you can, but if you want to find a more passive version, use the block under your foot or two blocks under your foot, under your left foot. It just feels awkward. Just use your hands. Totally fine. And we'll stay a little while. So, if you're feeling like you want to go even a little deeper with this, you could use a wall space. You could scoot over to a wall and heavier. Legs in the same shape, but at the wall. And basically the closer your tail is to the wall, the more intense this is. But it's the same shape, the right ankle over left thigh. And the intention to embody a more passive, restful quality Think about our time you know taking time to rest we have 168 hours in a week so to just have one hour where we embody the yin qualities more resting qualities at least one hour can go a long way so for me at least a lot of that other time is more yang qualities more active more doing more productive but if we just live you know, the majority of our life in that, that quality, we're going to become tense and stressed out and obviously it's going to lead to all sort of imbalances. So we need time just like this for these yin qualities to embody this. slowly start to transition to the other side. If there's any little movements, sometimes with the hips, there can be some tense spots. So if you want to make little movements to transition, you can, but you're ready coming to the other side. Slowly start to transition from here, from that slightly contracted quality of the pigeon pose to a more expansive quality with the suputabhadkonasana, supine bound angle. And those of you at the wall could actually do this on the wall if you want to. But you're just going to have the feet come together, and the feet down to the floor, or you could be at the wall with your feet on the wall, so knees apart, feet together. And if this is a little tense on the hips, you could always have blocks under your knees. Or if this is any way uncomfortable on your back, you could have the bolster under your back more supported. So again, as we hold here, remembering that stretching is a neurological process, not necessarily just a physical process of the muscles. And as we go into deeper relaxation in our practice, the muscles can relax. And even the connective tissue, ligaments, tendons, fascia, starts to allow more space to go deeper into this as well so you may feel some tenderness tomorrow from these deep stretches and that's okay as long as you're staying in a healthy range here not pushing it no pain in the pose maybe a little bit of discomfort but no pain relaxed breathing here And our last stretching posture before shavasana slowly start to transition from here to the final resting pose. Shavasana. Again, you can always do any sort of supported version of this. You could lay on your bolster. You could have your bolster under your knees. And just get comfortable and find a comfortable resting spot for the last few minutes of practice. Resting in a more neutral, centered, aligned space. Postures brought us into different ranges of motion and expansion and and contraction, forward, back, side to side. Now we can rest in stillness in the center. Having worked out physical tensions in the body. So now energetically you can align with the frequencies of the bowls Starting from the top of the head, this bowl related to the crown chakra, sense of meaning, connection to something greater than ourselves. To the forehead, the pineal gland at the center of the head, the ajna chakra, insight, intuition, clarity. Neck, our expression, her truth. heart, love, compassion Stomach, discipline, sense of identity. Hips and pelvis, creativity, and the five senses. Of the lower body. Foundational basic needs. Our physical body. from the top of the head to the bottom of the feet. Access to expansion, access to contraction, access to alignment and expression of all of these qualities. to make small movements of the fingers and toes, hands and feet, wrists and ankles. And eventually slowly starting to transition back to a comfortable seated posture. Sitting tall here, just letting your eyes close, resting in the space that you've created here. the moment of meditation, sitting tall. Noticing the moment of quiet and silence after the sound. Just as we balanced expansion and contraction in the physical body, balancing the sound and silence in the space. And we'll close our practice bringing the hands together at the heart, bowing the mind to the heart and to each other. Thank you for practicing tonight. Namaste.